Welcome to Authentic Health Fridays on The Jason Wright Show. This segment empowers you to reclaim control over your well-being and live a life aligned with your body's natural design. I am thrilled to guide you through insightful conversations and practical advice, all geared towards helping you achieve the vibrant and balanced life you deserve. In this dynamic series, we have the privilege of tapping into the expertise of a true visionary in the field of health and wellness, Dr. Gus Vickery, the founder of Authentic Health, located in the scenic heart of Asheville, North Carolina, is more than just a renowned author and speaker. He's a beacon of wisdom in the world of precision medicine and integrated health. Each episode, Dr. Vickery will be your trusted companion on a journey to unlock the secrets of authentic health. Drawing from his extensive knowledge and expertise, he'll share invaluable tools, tips, and information to guide you in understanding your body's unique needs and embracing the principles of precision medicine. All right, Gus, we're back. I have hit record another Authentic Health Friday. And uh, how is, uh, I know we talked about it offline, but you know, let's make this like just, you know, real podcast. Like we haven't even talked and you're, you know, you're back. So how was Fort Worth, Gus? <laughs> it was great. You know, I'm a big fan of Texas. I enjoy coming to Texas. Check out my, you see my cup that I'm drinking from? Got the I coming. What did you say? It's, it's my Yeti with the Gonzalez flag on it. Come and take it. Uh, yes. So, uh, you know, one of my twins, of course, has chose. Hold on one second. My dog is being a nuisance. Man, hey, Poppy, quiet. Um, one of my twins is uh, chose to go to Fort Worth at TCU. Yeah. And she's really happy and she's doing great. But they had a father-daughter event for a sorority. And I flew there uh, to be with her, which was so much fun. And I got to tell you that after hearing about the, you know, the sweat pit of Fort Worth, how hot, how it melts you, how terrible it is. Um, I had my weather was 75 degrees and sunny. It was perfect. Uh, Dude, it was Saturday was magical. We, you know, I, and Jim and I must've said no less than like five times last weekend. We didn't think this weather was ever going to come back. We honestly, it was so brutal this summer and we're used to brutal hot summers in Texas, but this one was just one of those that was a little extra. Uh, it was, uh, it came in hot literally and figuratively. And so it is so nice. We've had some gorgeous days, gorgeous here now. And so, so I don't have to be quite as envious of your Asheville, North Carolina climate as I normally am. We're, we're kind of, kind of getting there. Yeah. And we'll be actually a little more, uh, dreary and cold and wet for a stretch of time that you guys, you know, kind of be cool, which will be a ball game. But yeah, I really, I'm a fan of Texas. I'm a fan of Fort Worth. We had a lot of fun. And uh, it was just great to be with her and watch TCU play. They played BYU and they actually played really, really good in one big. Yeah. And, uh, um, you know, anyway, it was a great trip. It was, it, the best part was just being with my daughter at her new university with all her friends and having her, as I told you off the uh, air here, having her cho- want, choose to be with me, like want to be with me most of the weekend. Like, I'm like, all right. <laughs> that's, right. A, that's a win. Yeah. Right. I don't think Poppy's excited about you doing a podcast today. Yeah, I'm going to pit the dog inside the house because she right. is just okay. riding around. Sorry about this. I'll Poppy wait for you. Risk of hearing her snore than anything else, but for well, some reason, she's wound, wound up today. Well, cotton can be a little bit uh, cantankerous as well. So, you know, that's just maybe she's just upset because, you know, she's not here on the on the show. But, well, I'm glad you had a uh, a good trip to Texas and 
I liked what you came up with for us to talk about today, which is just to kind of back up a little bit and take more of a high level view of some of the things we've talked about and just the benefits of taking control of your health and some of the risks that you open yourself up to, should you not. And one of the things that I would like, to, and this is where I know your book, Authentic Health, starts, and it's something that you know that I'm very passionate about, is, is mindset and how you, how you form habits. And so to the listener out there, what I would say more than anything, if, you've, if you listen to the entire series and you feel like you're drinking from a fire hydrant and you, and you get excited, if you're, if you're anything like me, you'll hear some of this stuff and you'll want to just go all in and start like, wait, what did he say about, uh, about molecules and, and getting the, and how do I, you know, in, how do I enhance my sleep and how do I detoxify my water and my environment? And then, oh my gosh, what was this about? Uh, my mitochondria. I didn't even know what mitochondria really was until then. I want you to first and foremost, more than anything, just stop, relax, and do not give yourself some sort of an arbitrary timeline to get all this stuff figured out and incorporated into your daily life. Do not do that to yourself. But I do want you to do this. I do want you to make the decision. I want you to decide that one, you can, in fact, take on some of these challenges that Gus and I have presented. And more than anything, I don't want you to put a timeline on it because this is never ending. This is, I know it almost sounds trite and cliche, but this is about adopting a lifestyle. This is not going to be a diet. This isn't going to be some sort of training program. This is going to be a complete lifestyle going forward that is detoxified, that requires more movement, that is going to thus make you happier, feel better, hopefully live healthier, longer. And so the first thing is to just decide that one, I'm in, I'm going to do this. If I have to go back and listen to Jason and Gus five times, same episode, I'm in, I'll do it. If I have to go get Gus's book, download it, buy it for free, buy it, whatever, and go through it and use it as a reference, that's what I would do if I was you. I, I can't think of one health and wellness book like Authentic Health that I have purchased and read one time through and said to myself, okay, got it. That's it. No, they all become references. And so don't, don't burden yourself with trying to figure this all out. And I would pick one category. Like for, for some of you that are, your, your energy levels are low. You're just like, you just, you, you're, you're sleeping poorly and you're, Throughout the day, you're nodding off. Okay, let's tackle that first. Let's say that you're just, you're metabolically challenged. You're overweight. You don't have to go to see Dr. Gus in Asheville, North Carolina to figure that out. You can look in the mirror and go, yep, overweight. Don't we, and we don't care about looks, vanity, anything like that. Just say, all right, so I'm going to start taking a, a small approach and do one thing. Find the easiest thing that you can do. If that is taking a 15 minute walk after dinner, and don't say, by golly, Jason, no, I'm going to walk for 45 minutes every night next week for the next six months. No, you won't. If you haven't walked at all, you're not going to do it. So don't do that. What I would like you to do is just make the goal of, you know what? After dinner, the first thing I'm going to do after the kitchen's clean, everything's taken care of. First thing I'm going to do is I'm going to put on my walking shoes. That's it. You're going to put on your shoes. Just, just do that. I'm going to put on my flipping shoes. And once you master that, <clears throat> then go walk your block. And just start small. And once you start to get that ball rolling of moving after dinner, then you can build upon that. So 
that's kind of what we're going to be covering today. And what I want is for Gus, who, like you guys have probably noticed, um, uses his clinic as essentially a laboratory. He's he's constantly gathering real-time, real-life data on what works, what doesn't work, the ramifications of, of not paying attention to some of these factors that we've discussed. And so I want uh, Gus today to really kind of shed more light on the downside of not taking control of your health and then also some of the the upside of deciding that I'm taking control no longer am I going to sit back and think no that's for somebody else that's for healthy people that I just don't have the discipline I can't do all that it's too much now you can pick and choose any one of these and I want you to pick the one that you think would be the easiest and start crushing that at the smallest micro level and then move forward so How's that, Gus? Does that sound like a nice tee-up for kind of what we wanted to cover today? I think it sounds like a great tee-up, Jason. You're so good at the mindset, motivational, habit change. I mean, you have a pretty awesome habit change course, right? Uh, yeah. Massive, it's massive transformational habits. Massively, it's massively transformative habits. These are the habits that will incorporate massive change. I mean, why just change? No, I want massive. I want, it's got to be massive. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, it was, I think it was great, Jason. And you know, we, when Jason and I spoke about this episode, because we can always, we can keep going deeper. I've got weeks and weeks of uh, topics we're going to get into. We are going to get to sleep. We're going to get into stress balance and nervous system. We're going to get into cell membranes and fatty acids. We're going to get deeper into mitochondria. We're going to get deeper into breath. We're going to get into peptides and botanical formulations and circle back around a body guy. It's going to keep going and going. And then the fitness and all the different ways to train the body and recover the body. So we got so much content that we can offer. And where we started with was the elementary lessons. Uh, but yet, in my experience in my clinic, the elementary lessons, even to people who have a high health IQ, are still often like, whoa, you know, I hadn't even thought about this, especially the aspects of the environment and toxicant and gut that we went so deep into. Um, the, and so, you know, I wanted to make sure because what we've been covering thus far, what we started with were the things that I know right now are affecting your health. And if you can begin to make those changes, you'll begin to tilt the, uh, you know, the health meter, so to speak, you'll begin to tilt it back to the other side of restoring and preserving health rather than having health be on this kind of continual, uh, in this continual state of erosion. And so we started with what's happened to our gut primarily because of food quality and water quality and toxicants and things of that sort. What's going on in our body's environment with detoxification and what's just continuing to float around in our system because of what's happened to our water, air, food, and all the products we use in these industrialized lifestyles. And then we talked about the, the, uh, the absolute necessity of maintaining micronutrient availability for the uh, body to maintain structure and function, including the amino acids and essential fatty acids and my vitamins and minerals. And that if you're missing those, your body's gonna be breaking down. And that we know that it, most people, unless they're already aggressively addressing that, they have all these nutrient insufficiencies, which then drive hunger and weight gain and all these issues. And uh, you know, then we've talked about breath because <laughs> air is pretty important and then water and hydration and minerals. That's a lot, right? Uh, it, it, again, a lot of you listeners are probably already aware of some of this, but it's still a lot. And it's critical that we step back and say, 
hey, before we dump a lot more in and, and do this too and that too, are we getting these things right? Because the cultivating of a environment, a habitat for your human system and your family's human systems that supports health, gut, toxicant, nutrient, performance, breath, hydration, is critical, 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 critical. We can't pass that step and just jump to peptides and jump to IV therapies and jump to hyperbarics and jump to, you know, uh, all the cold plunges. I mean, those things are all great. And we'll cover them all. I have, you know, I use most of those modalities and I have patients using those modalities. But if you skip this stuff, you're missing the foundational pieces of your health. And so it's really critical we do it. But yet I recognize it could be a lot to take on. And then every week we present you with more information. So backing up and looking at this, I wanted to revisit the why. Why would you go to this much trouble? Why would you listen to this content and then actually put it into play? Not just have it pass through and say, oh, that's interesting. I, I, I like that. But then never have it turn into any type of measurable action in your life. Yeah. And, and the why is, I, the, I learned the why in my clinic seeing all those patients for all those years. And I still see them right now and observing the state of human health, which was not good. And to, including for everybody from 20 year olds, even 15 year olds, all the way up, you know, headaches, abdominal pain, IBS, migraines, fibromyalgia, other types of myofascial pain syndromes, autoimmune diseases, reflux, indigestion, um, you, you know, rashes, psoriasis, acne, rosacea, hypertension, diabetes, the list just keeps going and going. Fatigue, sleeplessness, anxiety, panic attacks, heart palpitations, and going, what the heck is going on? This is not how our bodies were designed. And how can we really outline a path for people to feel better, not just palliate their symptoms with a medication and give them a temporary period of relief, but actually get the body back working the way it's supposed to. And that was just the symptoms and things that I'm talking about. What do these things become is you're not then beginning to manage those things at least or begin to get to the root cause and reverse them. Well, what they become are in fact, well, I've already listed these, diagnosable autoimmune diseases like lupus, multiple sclerosis, psoriatic arthritis, ankylosing spondylitis, inflammatory bowel disorders. You, you might not know what those are, but they're bad things. You probably know somebody who has them. They're very expensive, they're debilitating, and they can increase your risk for cancers and all kinds of other health problems. And they can be, reversed with the right type of plan. There is a reason they develop. It's not just a, a failure of your body's ability to be healthy. Um, and then there's all the different types of cancers that are a product of unhealthy biochemistry, of, a, of an immune system that has lost its ability to do proper surveillance, of dysregulation of how cells are performing due to metabolic health issues and a lot of other factors. And then there's dementia. I, I'm so sorry, that dog is... <laughs> Dementia, brain atrophy, right? Neurodegenerative diseases, Parkinson's, and all of these things that are happening. Um, and then um, we've already mentioned cancer, arterial disease, strokes, heart attacks, cardiomyopathies, congestive heart failure, renal, uh, you know, renal disease, dialysis, peripheral. This is the stuff that is happening to our population. Go look up online and just Google and say, you know, what are the top 20 diseases that are affecting people and causing death. And you're going to read about all these things that I'm just listing. And it's, but long before it causes death, it causes so much misery, fatigue and pain, and just, you know, be having to check out of life because all you can do is try to get by every day. I hate seeing people in that state. I believe our creator 
God hates, hates to see us in that state when we can do something about it. And I believe he can heal us. He can pull us out. Some of us might go through a time like that, not because of anything we're doing wrong, just things that happen to us. And I acknowledge that. And I'm not saying that if you have some of these health challenges that you brought it on yourself or it was all just because you didn't clean things up. I'm not saying that. Please don't hear that. What I am saying is we have a, a lot we can do to make it less likely that we're going to deal with those things. And then on the other side of the coin, and you hear Jason and I talk about this a lot, is that taking someone who's already exhausted and pain, has indigestion, we're probably, man, previously we were managing with uh, proton pump inhibitors like, you know, Nexium or something and anti-inflammatory medicines and antidepressant medications and sleeping medications and blood pressure pills. Taking them and beginning to, to implement these ideas and restoring their health what they notice isn't just that their blood pressure normalizes and they don't need medicine and they no longer have indigestion and their pain's reduced and they don't need anti-inflammatory drugs and their mood is better and they don't need depression. It's not just the absence of the symptom of, of, of you know, the symptoms of poor health. It's the development of this state of well-being that's rooted in what our health does for us. And it's a physical well-being, meaning generally your body is not in pain, it's performing well, it functions well as it was designed, and you can do lots of things with it. Mentally, you have mental well-being, which is you can think well, you can focus well, you can accomplish what you'd like to accomplish. You can actually use cognitive resources every day to improve your life and the lives of those around you and make a contribution to this world. And then emotional well-being, that you have positive emotions, peace, joy, gratitude, you're experiencing love, and that you're not riddled with anxiety and worry and fear and all those other things, right? That's the, the upside of it is the uh, development of this state of physical and mental and emotional well-being that in its own way is like a state of euphoria you get to live in most of the time. Now, on one level, you'd be like, well, that's impossible. Like, no, it's not. I feel like I mostly had that experience. But right before we started this call, Jason and I both commiserated around, you know, we're both being, uh, we had blessed lives. None of the other of us are complaining, but we both are kind of hard pressed right now. We've got a lot of responsibilities we're managing and lots of things going on in our families. And we briefly talked about the global stuff going on and the impact that has because of our concern for others and, you know, all that. And, you know, and so, you know, I, I admitted that, hey, I've just got a little bit of lethargy. I'm just a little more fatigued than usual. But what that doesn't mean is that I'm actually tired, washed out, can't do what I need to do. It just is a relative compared to my usual high energy, super positive state, right? I'm still a very happy, satisfied guy. Um, so it's not like you're just walking around with this buzz all the time and just constantly just exuding all these euphoric vibes. But you are generally in a positive state and you feel good, and you have the energy you need to do what you need to do. I mean, the, the upside is so huge, and I don't think we've even come close to knowing what that all that upside is as we integrate spiritual health into everything that we're doing. And the downside is so enormous. A loss of your function, a loss of quality of life, possibly earlier death. And it's like, and you know, if the healthcare system had developed effective treatments for all this stuff, like treatments that actually, you know, restored you, then I'd be all for it. Go to your doctor tomorrow and ask him about this treatment. But it doesn't. It is not effectively treating this. And this is something you're going to have to do for yourself. And if you do it, then you will get to start to make progress. And, the, and like Jason said, it might be slow, steady progress. It probably should be. 
But I will tell you that generally your experience, if you adopt one of the categories, just one of them, you clean up, say, your water and your air and your environment, you start to move a little more or you get the timing of feeding, right? You just adopt one of them within a few weeks, you're going to notice improvements in how you feel that are that exceed what you would have expected for the little bit of change you made. Precisely. And that's where I want to give some like actual tactics, folks, because again, as you look back, if you look into the catalog and if you subscribe to the Vitruvian letter, you know that I'm now cataloging every one of these episodes so that you can just click on them by topic and go back and listen. And one of the keys to success of any habit that you want to start and like Gus mentioned my course, uh, Massively Transformative Habits. One of the reasons why I have that course structured in such a way, like I structure it to basically go through your your health, your physical health, your mental health, and all these different things that to to make you more productive. But then at the end, I go into the behavioral science. Okay, I've to- I've told you all the things that you should make a habit, but then. How do you make it a habit? So here is what I would challenge every listener right now that is that is that we've connected with, that you you've listened to this and you're like, yeah, I wanna, I wanna do this, but I don't know where to start. Well, the first thing I would like to ask you to do is go back to the gut episode. Let's just say that's where you want to start. You want to start with the foundation. You you trust what Gus has said, that the gut is the foundation, and that's where you're gonna start. But don't stop there. I need you to do something concrete. I need you to write a date, a time, and a place where you are going to go back, or if you haven't listened to it yet, you're going to listen for the first time to that episode. I would actually suggest you put yourself in a room where you've got Apple TV or somehow you've got screen mirroring, where you go to the YouTube channel, you put that up on the screen, and you pretend as though you're sitting in a class. I want you to have a notepad out and I want you to listen and watch what watch the conversation, which is mostly Gus discussing this topic. But before you do anything, whatever you choose, whether it's whether it's water, breath, whatever the topic that we've covered that you decide you want to start. Again, remember, I opened this conversation today saying that it's about having that mindset that you are committed. You have decided to flip that switch and take control of your health. Well, that's not enough. You need to have a time, a date, and a place. But once you've done that, that's not enough. I want you to sit in there. That time, that date, and that place, I am going to listen to 10 minutes of the episode. Don't burden, because what will happen is if you decide in that moment, you know, okay, fine, I'm going to go listen to that. I think that one, Gus, was probably like an hour and 10 minutes. I mean, these are rarely under an hour once we get going. That can be daunting. Okay, so don't do that. Say, I'm going to break this up in, you know, four chunks, three chunks, you know, three chunks, and you've got most of the the episode listened to. So time, date, place, I'm going to listen to the first 20 minutes of gut health. And then if you find something in that 20 minutes that you can implement, then put that down. I am going to do this. I'm going to go buy some, you know, whatever product or something that we talked about, some, make some dietary change, whatever the case may be. But this will actually help you to do it. And as a matter of fact, as far as habit formation is concerned, this is one of the things you have to do. You have to really make a commitment. There was a study done a while back where they had three different groups that were going to try to start working out. And the first group, they just told them, it's good for your health. You should start working out. Will you do it? The group said, yeah, we'll do it. 
Second group, they gave them some motivation material saying, these are all kind of like what we're doing for you guys today. We're giving, they, they showed them a video basically like what Gus and I are creating right now. All the benefits of good health, uh, go do it. And then they had another group, did the exact same thing they did with group two. Showed them a Jason and Gus video. It wasn't a Jason and Gus video, but let's just say it was a Jason and Gus video. Now, that would have been an amazing video, and the studies probably would have been completely different. But just for the sake of this, uh, this demonstration, they did. They showed them a video, told them all the benefits of, of exercise and good health. And then they, they got the, the, the participants to put the time, the date, and the place where they were going to actually start implementing their new health protocols. First group had about, I think that there were less than 20% of the people actually finished the workout program and saw any results. Second group, it was almost exactly the same, maybe around 30%. The others that remember the parameters of group two and group three were exactly the same, save for the fact that they had them commit to a time, a date, and a place. Over 80% of the participants in group three finished their exercise program and saw results in strength gains and weight loss. Commitment makes a difference. So I would suggest to you, use these podcasts as masterclasses. That's the way we're designing these. That's why I've got Gus as, a, as an incredible physician that has, has years and years of study to, to, to engage with us here. So you can literally commit to listening to one of these and then implementing something small and mastered. And once you do that, then you start to make sense of it. I mean, I, I remember one of the things, Gus, whenever I was in college, one of the most overwhelming things for me was to look at the syllabus for the year because it, it's, it's everything in one place at one time, and that's daunting. And so the only way you can eat this elephant is one bite at a time. But not only just make it small and bite-sized, but also commit yourself. And I, and look, whenever I tell people, whenever I'm training people on behavioral science and and habit formation, with this part, the commitment part, I tell them to give everyone in their environment a warning. Let them know that at 5.30, 6.30, whenever you do at night, after dinner, mom is going to go into her bedroom, into her home office. I'm going to be gone for about 30 minutes. This is what I'm doing. I've committed to taking control of my health and this and, and some good habit formation. So guys, if you could just let me have that time, put your phone in the other room, no phones, nothing, no distractions. You need to sit and have this as your focus. You've committed to it. You've written it down and you are setting the environment to spend a 20 to 30 minutes with Gus and I, not because of us by any means, but because you've decided this is what you're going to do for your health. And you pick one thing and you master that and keep it small. Don't over. And if there's anything that you commit to in your mind that you've never committed to in your life, that you've never done in your life, that's probably a mistake. Try to commit to doing something that you know you've done before. You put. That's why I used the example earlier of putting on your shoes after dinner to start your walking process. Everyone listening to this podcast, I'm going to get out on a limb and hope it doesn't snap and assume you put on shoes before. So I know I'm not asking you to do anything you haven't done, but some of you very well may have never gone for a walk for exercise, okay? So don't commit to going for a walk every single night for exercise for the next 30 days if you've never done it once. Start with something you have to get your shoes on, and then there's a deer drop effect, okay? What that means is basically like what Gus mentioned. If you do one thing, you're more likely to do the other. If you put the shoes on, that's easy, okay? You've mastered that. 
then you're more likely to get up and walk in those shoes. And if you get up and you walk, you're more likely to go around the block. And then once you've gone around the block, you're likely to to go around again. What you do is you create momentum. By the same token, if you decide to eat something crappy, once you do that, you're more likely to eat something else crappy. And or to if you don't put on your shoes, you're more likely to just go to the couch and turn on Netflix. And if you turn on Netflix, you're more likely to just sit there comatose for the rest of the night and let all that energy that you just consumed sit in your stomach and never never burn. So do those little things that that are so easy to master to start the ball rolling to do the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. So I just wanted to make sure that we got some of that that kind of that habit formation, that behavioral science, Gus, because we have drilled home to them how good this is and the life-changing impact. But I want folks to know, I want you to know that every single person that is listening to us, you have the absolute ability to do this. Don't let it overwhelm you. It can be done, but start small and commit. Gus, you got anything to add to that? Yeah, I think especially the part about the, everybody has the ability. You know, a lot of people might, and this was a, this was a, a, a kind of a miss conception about health. Um, for a long time, really, when we were young, yep. the idea of health was the picture of the person with six-pack abs and the awesome body, super fit. And, you know, as I began, when I was working with my clinic, we we're just regular, hardworking people. Mm-hmm. And most, a lot of them were moms and dads. I mean, some were kids, of course. They didn't have time to create that kind of body. You know, I mean, those are professional fitness models and professional athletes in those pictures. That is their professional life is yep. to create, keep that body. Yep. <laughs> they put a lot of time and effort into it. I frankly think that there might, I'm not uh, by any means throwing shade on that as a occupation and what it can be. I think for most of us, having that level of emphasis on our body could be a, mis- <laughs> a misprioritize, misprioritizing like what we're here to do, especially if we're parents and have organizations and things like that. Well, and, and, so- and Gus, to, to that point, one of the things I want to say to, to, cause you're spot on, you know, Joel Green talks about this a lot about the minimum effective dose is that most of the people that are giving our listeners health advice or they're seeing them on Instagram or something like that, to your point, that is their vocation that they mm-hmm. are paid to stay in shape. They're paid to be in good shape. And then they're paid to tell they make their money telling you how to look like them. And that's just, that's setting yourself up for failure. You need to figure out, and that's one of the things that Gus and I try to bring you, these these tiny little needle movers that you, that everyone can implement that, and you should, I looked at a picture of Brian Johnston today, the, uh, the, the blueprint guy that I've, I've talked about. That's kind of the muse for my less than 50 program. And he's got literally, he's standing on Instagram nude with a kettlebell over his junk. And I mean, and he's just completely, he looks like one of those, um, those, those, the, whatever those museums that have the bodies, you know, with just their muscles, no skin. He looks like that with a layer of very pale, pasty white skin kind of draped over it. And the thing I told myself, Gus, is that that is amazing, except for the pale pasty stuff. I do need some sun, I think, but (laughs) I'm just, I'm telling you, I think you need some sun, but I'm like, I would love to have that kind of unbelievable low body fat count, still have energy and have that definition. But here's what I don't want. I don't want to live the life that it takes to have that because I would miss out on so much else. So anyway, I can get on a rant about what you're saying because I think that that is a very powerful message. 
when I, early on, when I would present these topics to groups to try and raise awareness of the truth of health, what is authentic health? What does it mean to experience authentic health? And we'll go back to that in just a moment, that definition. I would present, you know, these two ways of looking at, uh, two ways of seeing or, I, or trying to measure health that are not necessarily accurate. One was just, what do you learn at your doctor's office at yearly physical? You can go in there and if your BMI was somewhere close to normal and your cholesterol was reasonable and your blood pressure was, was somewhere in a borderline to a normal range and your blood glucose wasn't exceeding 100 and your liver enzymes were an elevator or whatever, they would say, you're healthy, you're good. And, you know, as long as you've had whatever screenings and vaccinations you're supposed to have, and they'd send you home with the idea that you're healthy. Well, I could take that same individual. Let's say he was 40 years old. And let's just say he is actually 20 pounds overweight, but, you know, and, and possibly under muscled at that point, too, if he hasn't been working out. So his BMI is still normal, but the weight body composition isn't great. I know I could have run a full panel on him or her, and he, they would have been measurements of systemic inflammation and oxidative stress, immune system imbalances. Insulin resistance, even if their blood sugar was normal, they would already have insulin resistance, unfavorable lipid particle distributions, hormonal downregulation, that, that, would, that we would clearly see a human system that's not healthy and that's on track towards development of diseases. The, and, I would, and, you know, and I'm like, if you wait till it shows up at your physical with whatever your insurance covers for your labs, that's the day you're getting diagnosed with medical conditions yeah. that could have been prevented if you had just known earlier and started taking walks and stopped eating later at stuff like that. The other side was that the people who I was wanting to take this journey, normal, regular people, right? They're not supermodels and, you know, like the, the VIPs of the world, just regular people, like the people listening to this podcast in a, in a town, like, you know, um, they had in their minds the pictures on the front of the magazines at the grocery store and the men's health and the whatever. And I'm like, that's not what we're going after. Now you can, you could find your way there eventually. But I'm like, that doesn't necessarily qualify as good health. I have some patients like that. And often what I find is inflammation and oxidative stress, a reverse form of insulin resistance because they're not eating enough and all kinds of other health problems, right? Because they're overtraining their body and not getting enough rest and all that. I'm like, you know, you can't use those as your measurements of health. It's a different thing. You know, your authentic state of health is your body having everything that it needs to maintain system performance and minimizing the things that erode health and cause problems. It's all your tissue, organ cells, tissues, and organs functioning in their optimal state to give you this experience of health, which happens to be a great experience of well-being. And then you could have that experience and still be 20 or 30 pounds overweight. You might want to lose that weight over time. It depends on how it's distributed. You can have that experience and still have wrinkles on your skin and have some age spots or whatever. You can have that experience in all kinds of different appearing bodies, right? Like it doesn't have to be. And in the book, as you know, Jason, all throughout the book, I give examples of people who've like taken the journey. And, and it's in the, each of the cases that you read about in the book will sound a lot like maybe some of the listeners or people they love and know, their, their sister or their brother-in-law, whatever. And, they, and if you read it, it's what, exactly what we're talking about. We picked one little thing. Let's just do that for a while. And then I record their progress. And you know, one of them is a guy who liked to ride his Harley and eat chicken wings and is a pretty rough and tumble dude and works a blue collar profession. And you can read in his journey by the end, you know, he's dropped 40 pounds. He's still a big, burly guy. But like everything about his health, his back pain and stuff is better, right? So 
it's really important that you, you're you, you're the unique you God made you to be. You're who you are, how your countenance, you know, what your countenance is in this world. You don't need to be anybody else but you. And we're not trying to craft you into some type of specimen of this, that, or the other. We long for you to experience the good health that God gave you as a birthright for you, that our modern world has set up where it's very hard to attain. And what's happened, we're playing this very different game, and that's what we're trying to also raise awareness. Most of the human history, right, or the human history on planet Earth was a, a game of kind of humans against nature, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I don't, part of nature. It was predators and violence and traumatic injuries and things and infections that we had no treatment for, no hospital systems and no surgery suites. It was water that was contaminated with parasites and malnutrition and famines and droughts and all this stuff and death at birth and all kinds of things like that. That was the game that human beings were playing. And once we defeated, you know, once we won a lot of aspects of that game, we didn't, not completely, but we got a lot better. We started living all these longer, healthier lives, right? But then in the last, you know, 70, 80, 100 years, especially the last 40 to 50, the game changed, right? It's not likely that any of you today are primarily threatened by a predator, uh, of, you know, violence for someone else, although I know that's a real risk in many places, uh, that your water in your home is going to give you a parasite, that you'll not find enough food or enough water to drink or have a place to sleep and things like that. I know some people deal with these problems. It's unlikely that any of the kinds of things that really threatened our forebears are threatening you. But what has happened is, as we've already outlined, you now live in a toxic environment. It's unnatural. Your body wasn't created with the current state of water, air, and food, and chemicals, and toxicants, and screens, and everything else, and stress, and use. It wasn't created with uh, that as the operating paradigm. It was created for something very different, but that's the paradigm, and which means you have to realize what game you're playing. And what we want is for you to experience authentic health, which will be different for every single person. It's not about how you look, how fit you are, although fitness can be a part of that. And so a lot of most people, as they pursue health, end up pursuing more fitness just because it does so much for your health and it feels good and it gives you a sense of pride. And so that's a normal thing to do. But you have to actually recognize that the game you're playing, is you're playing the game whether you know you're playing it or not. Right? Yeah, that's right. You're on the game board and there's a, a there is a, uh, a kind of a foundational set of rules and, a, and a, you know, kind of a, uh, a culture or a system, a matrix of this game board and you're in it. Yep. Right. And if you don't recognize and wake up and see that and account for it and start playing the game you're actually living in, you know, you are going to end up having these bad things happen to you because you can't even if you just go about being a good person just living your life and just trying to do your best and being moderate in your habits. Bad things are going to happen because of what we've done to our food and water and air and everything else. And I hate to say that. I don't want to say that because I don't like to use fear as a motivator, but it's just true. And so you got to wake up and recognize we're playing this new game and we're teaching you how to play it. And you don't have to play it as an expert. You can stay an amateur all your life and just play it as an amateur taking the most elementary things we're teaching you to do and taking care of those things. But it's got to be done because if you don't, we know the other way it's going to go, period. It okay. will go that way. And it's not a direction I think anybody would intentionally choose. And so beginning to, and I want to let you speak to this, Jason, and I have an idea around it. 
how you begin to craft in your mind this vision, this creative vision that you can almost experience, almost like a VR virtual reality experience in your own mind. And I have an exercise I can introduce to do that where you realize that you can create this attachment to the value proposition of what it means to experience this good health. And as you can realize that and create that and know that's what I'm after, right? The same way you're after good things for your family or your children, like all the sacrifices that people make every day for their children, for their spouse, for their parents, for their company or whatever. It takes enormous discipline, self-control and all kinds of layered automatic habits. You've done this before. You've done it in all these other domains that are very important to you. Now it's time to take that same skill that you have, like Jason said earlier, and apply it in this domain. Yeah. So and one of the things that I think is very powerful, and I wish I had it pulled up here, I've got a, one of my courses I love to teach is on identity-based habits, which is basically what you're speaking to. It's whenever you get to a point where whatever the bad habit is, it no longer meshes with the identity. If you, and you have to have that visualization of, and you have to tell yourself, it, 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 when you're faced with a bad choice of not moving, of smoking the cigarette, drinking the beer, having the leftover cake at 10 o'clock at night, it's a matter of taking the time to ask yourself, is this what a healthy Jason would do? Because I'm a healthy Jason. I, I have, I have, I've made that commitment. I have, I've made the decision. And when you start to have when, you, when that identity becomes concrete in your mind of who you are and what you're pursuing and the activity comes into conflict and creates friction, then that is whenever you start to win the game. Because every it's like James Clear says in his book, Atomic Habits, every single decision you make is a vote for the person you want to be. So if the cake at 10 o'clock at night is a vote for who you want to be, well, then you got to ask yourself, well, then who am I wanting to be? And, and it's just like right now, I, I, I create this slide where I have like the individual and all these bad habits that may, that may be uh, in their life at that moment. And if you just remove one of them and you master that, you replace the Dr. Pepper at lunch with a bottle of water. And then eventually you master that every time you eat lunch, no more sodas, just the bottled water. You do that, and that becomes normal. It gets to the point where if someone were to offer you the Dr. Pepper and sit down, you'd be like, this is weird. This is unusual. Where once before the water was unusual, now the Dr. Pepper's unusual. Good. Crush that next. Instead of the, don't you don't even have to exchange the cheeseburger for a salad at first. Instead, just go from the double water burger with cheese to the junior water burger. And by the way, when you do this, you're going to be absolutely astounded at how few calories we actually need, especially in America where our portions are, are so supersized. And so when you start to make these changes to where you start to, where all, again, the, act, the bad activity just doesn't mesh with the person that you want to become. As a matter of fact, I'm going to show you an illustration right now. Hold tight, Gus. Sing a song for them or something while I go grab something. I'm going to, I'm going to talk about the importance of maybe getting a group to do it together. Yeah. So, um, what is so key doing it, no, no man, no person has an island, right? Like we're built to be in community. Um, and a lot of this is dependent upon what do we do and our self-talk and how we create these habits. But 
people that I've worked with who've had the best success, they find a group of individuals who are on the same journey, who want to be on this journey. Often they find some people who've already gotten down the road a bit on the journey as mentors and who can help them. And they form a group, whether it's a, on a social media platform or an app, or it's an, a live in-person group that they just do phone calls. And they hold each other accountable. They encourage each other. They send each other random messages, hang in there. This is so good. They share their success. It makes such a difference. If you build up a community around you, I guarantee you, regard whatever context you're in, an office setting, home setting, neighborhood, a, a church group or something, that there are a number of people in that group who are wanting to take this health journey. And if you find them and you do it together and commit to doing it together, your odds of success go up dramatically. Exactly. I agree. Yeah, and so, Jay <laughs> so for, for those of you who aren't watching, I just went ahead. I'm going to fire up a cigarette real quick because, okay. no, I mean, how odd does that look? That just, I mean, I'm sitting here. I'm holding. Do you know? Do you do you know how? Now this is pure vanity. Do you know how embarrassed I was when I went and bought a pack of Lucky Strikes? I didn't even know they still made Lucky Strikes. It, and I bought Lucky Strikes because I'm a Mad Men fan. And that's what Don Draper smoked. He smoked his Luckies. That was one of their. That was one of the biggest accounts that they had at. Um, at uh, what was it? Um, gosh, something sterling. I'm drawing a blank of the, the name of their ad agency. But okay. just for the listener, imagine the improve always and always guy with a cigarette right now in his mouth. And those of you watching, I hope this looks <laughs> weird to you because if it doesn't, if this looks normal, I'm doing it wrong. And so you, you get once you, once you form this identity for yourself, and it's not, again, it's not because I'm so vain that I don't want anybody to know I smoke. Instead, it's, my gosh, this just seems like something, why on earth would I, someone who identifies and who, who has decided to have this vision of good health, longevity, and health and wellness for myself, I would not put this poison in my lungs. And so, and then, and that's a, that's a granted, that's a pretty extreme case. I mean, smoking's a pretty easy call these days, but it went, but I can tell you right now, it's the same thing for me with a lot of other bad choices. It's as goofy as it sounds. I'm not saying I, I never do it, but eating after nine o'clock. That's just something I rarely will eat after eight o'clock. My cutoff is seven o'clock is my goal. Eight o'clock is the alarms are going to go off in my head if I eat after eight o'clock. Uh, but anything like nine or 10, it's just, and, and again, when it becomes part of your identity, then you're not depending on willpower. It, it, it just becomes, it's who you are. It's just, no, I just, I don't do that it, because I know, because again, you've listened to what Gus and I are talking about. You know, the ramifications of keeping your body's digestive system and what it does to your heart rate and the, the interference with sleep and recovery by eating late at night, never giving your body the restorative rest that it needs. And you just think, and it just processes automatically. Yeah, I don't want to do that. So. I think that's a, that's a critical point to understand. And I always, I love to pull out the cigarette. You know, I actually, I have a, one of my classes I videoed, I don't say anything. I just throw the cigarette in like I'm starting my class. And it's like that just, you know, going through a habit formation course, good habits. And while you're smoking a cigarette, people get pretty quick. Yeah. That doesn't match. I mean, this entire podcast was worth it to see you sitting, <laughs> see me with a cigarette. Yeah. It was so out of character. Yeah. You know, I smoked until I was 31 years old. Um, I, yeah. I smoked all, through, all the way through my intern year. I made it through 
testing weeks and 36 hour shifts with nicotine and caffeine. Right. But, uh, I did, I did eventually quit. I can't stand the smell of like tobacco now and stuff like that. It drives me kind of crazy. I look kind of cool uh, with it though. Look at this. Yeah. I'm not going to say I've never tried to smoke a cigarette, but every time I do, or I have, I get so sick. Like what, what smokers call the buzz or whatever I call sick. Yeah. I can't Actually, do it. I don't know. There's a person out there who the first time they used like a nicotine, like tobacco form of nicotine that they didn't deal with like dizziness and swimmy oh. head. And yeah. And of course the first time you smoke a cigarette, there, there's never a time that inhaling carbon monoxide and carcinogens and tar actually feels good to your body. It's <laughs> And so it's crazy that we work through that. Actually yeah. develop an affinity, but it's not that different with all these foods, right? Like they're yeah. making our guts hurt and making our body hurt and giving us itchy skin and all that kind of stuff. We just have to build those same associations. It's, uh, you know, um, it, obviously we're both passionate about this. My, I, my A little heart, bit. Yeah, yeah. And mine, my passion is just based on you know, uh, a lot of things, but what I've seen, what I've seen, I mean, I don't know how many people I've treated in my career, but it's got to be close to a hundred thousand, you know, over time, like between, uh, residency and clinics and emergency departments and all that kind of stuff. I mean, you know, I was just seen a lot of people and I've seen people stuck in their misery and unable to get out of it. And I'm, I'm compassionate to the fact that they didn't know the game they were playing. They just yeah. got placed on the game board. Right. Yeah. And then manipulated all the way up to a point where they finally have their own prefrontal cortex, their own ability to begin to figure out who they are and what they want and the habit matrix that's been basically imprinted into their nervous system is killing them and they don't know how to change that and but you can do it it's so critical we do it the visualization piece um, the the exercise i would use is i would have people in a group if i was teaching kind of and it really does work it feels woo woo but it, it actually works um for very for pure, great scientific reasons um, you basically, you begin to, you close your eyes, you take a few breaths, you relax yourself, just like we were doing last week. And you draw, begin to create a picture in your mind of yourself, right? You see yourself. Now you can see yourself in a beautiful outdoor setting at a beach, at a waterfall, someplace that's just very special to you that you can vividly, the more vivid you make this, the more you make it really like, not just your imagination, but a real picture, like almost that you could live it, the more powerful it is. And it could be in your most comfortable room in your home or something of that sort. But you get a picture of yourself in that space. And then as you're seeing yourself, you what you do is you begin to create of that picture, that version of you, that healthiest possible version of you you can imagine. And that can involve some aspects of the aesthetics. How do you look? You know, how does your skin look? How does your body look? Things like that. That's perfectly fine to include those types of aspects. But what you really are almost picturing is almost like you with this radiance of health and vitality, not a, a look of like, you're just kind of hunched over and lethargic and your face is drooping and you're like, uh, so tired. But this version of you that's standing there, like in proper alignment with your body up and your posture good and your shoulders in the right position and your head stacked and your jaw strong, and then your breath in through your nose and coming into your body. And there's almost like this light coming out of you of just this health, this vitality, this healthy human specimen, but it's you and you can see that it's you. And what you do is you paint a picture and while you're doing it, you begin to adopt it, meaning 
you begin to feel your body like straightening and getting into that position and muscles beginning to basically kind of light up and really engage in your breath. And what you actually do is at a moment where you're really happy to picture, you picture yourself stepping in to that version of you, right? The one of that imagination, the one that's radiating that light and health. You actually step into it. You literally feel yourself merge into it. And then you begin to feel, what does it feel like to be in that body, right? And what is surprising for people is you can begin to feel like your breath pattern changed to a healthy and strong breath pattern, your posture, the way you're holding your body, everything. Most people inadvertently, they don't know that they're smiling, right? They got this strong smile on their face and they're beginning to sense what it's like to be this person. And you stay there for a little while, experiencing it and enjoying it, committing yourself, this is me, and then you finally let it go. Now, you don't step back out of that version of you. You, When you finish it, you walk forward as that version of you. You carry it forward. And it's really effective at, one, helping you begin to get that sense of where you'd like to be. Get And you get a real visceral feeling of it for a moment. It's real pleasurable. And oh, you're yeah. like, oh, I want more of that. Have you ever heard about that type of oh. uh, ex- of course, as a matter of fact, Gus, it's interesting you say that. So, you know, I'm doing the eight weeks to seal fit. Mark Devine, part of every single workout that the Navy SEALs do is a visualization process, exactly like what you're discussing, in, in which they visualize themselves essentially crushing whatever the the mission of the day is. And and then it's and because there is a physiological change. I mean, if, if for the for the listener, what Gus is saying. It just as a quick, when you're walking through your day-to-day life, stand with confidence and your actual confidence will rise. Smiling will, the, the physiological changes are unbelievable. And like what Gus, kind of along those lines, did you know that there was research done? You probably read this, that uh, they did a, a study on, it was on muscle game and it was, they had people that would lift weights they all did the same exercise, but let's just say they were doing curls and and pick the pick the uh, the uh, the dose, you know, three reps of ten for you know every other day for however long doesn't matter. They had some with weights, some would just simulate the lifting, and others would sit and concentrate and imagine themselves doing the curls, but no weight, no movement, just imagining. Do you know, now, obviously, the greatest strength games came from those who were actually lifting weights. Second was those who were just mimicking it. But there was actual lean body mass increase from the group that just imagined themselves lifting the weight. And it's, it's just, it's, it's crazy town. So what you're saying is so spot on. Our minds and our ability to visualize, and going back to what I was saying, Mark Devine and the Navy SEALs, they are so keen on visualization to get through the grueling hard work that they have to do. They see themselves as 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 successful, as as making it through it. And you know, and then the incantations that once you walk through it, you know, uh, Mark Devine's is looking good, feeling good, ought to be in Hollywood. And that's he sees himself as that, you know, and when he's running, that's what he's saying to himself. And so I think it's a very powerful thing and that's hard. And and so, and also to the listener out there, and I, I, you probably dealt with patients like this, Gus, 
that doesn't come easy. I'm a terrible visualizer. I mean, you would think that I would be a master of it. That's because that's just kind of my deal. That's what I love to do. But no, I have a lot of blocks for me visualizing uh, certain elements of success and that sort of thing. I have a contrarian uh, block, mental block, so it's hard to get there. So it's not easy uh, a lot of times. But if you can do like Gus is saying and make this a practice, kind of take some of those tactics from last week of doing your breath work, take the opportunity while you're calming your mind, doing your breath work to visualize this healthy version of yourself and adopting that as who you are and experience that physiological change. It can be a magical thing. And it is, it's a struggle for me, but it does. I think work. If you'll quit smoking. It'll come easier for you. Well, I don't know. I don't know if I want to give up my luckies. Watch this. Like pack them. Like, oh, yeah. I know how to. Yeah. Uh, the, the, um, I would uh, encourage the listener to, it does. It takes, it's actually, it takes effort. It takes work to do this. I, I don't want to create weird things for people to think about, but oftentimes just while you're in the shower is a great time to go ahead and go through it because you got a little bit of time there sure. rather than letting yourself worry about things. But when you wake up in the morning, first thing and your eyes open and no matter what you kind of stuff you got waiting and whether your nervous system's all fired up and you're like, mine was like that for a long time. Um, you want to take a breath and you want to calm yourself and you want to find yourself. And if you're you know, if, if you happen to be a, a, a spiritual person, a, a Christian like Jason or I, I mean, the first thing you might do is say, thank you, Lord. Thank you. I'm awake. I'm here. I have a soul. I have a spirit. You're with me. You're strengthening me. You've prepared this day for me. There's nothing that it will happen that you haven't already prepared me for in some way, shape or form. And, you know, and then begin to start with that gratitude and acknowledging of your soul and your spiritual life, but then quickly move into a visualization like this. And and add spiritual elements to it. Picture that you're, uh, you know, that the Lord is there with you in the process and helping transform you if you like or whatever, whatever helps you. Um, but do that and enter into it for just five minutes. And when you finally, when you get out of bed or you have gotten out of bed, but you finally start to move around and make it to the coffee maker or whatever you got to do, I promise you that there will have been changes in your brain involving neurotransmitters where you'll feel more motivated, confident, and joyful and at peace about whatever it is you've got to do that day. So please practice it, right? Just make it a first thing in the morning and you don't have to turn it into a 10, 15 minute process. You can, and it gets stronger if you do, but you can be a three minute thing. Give yourself a few minutes to experience that version of you you're becoming and to get let it ignite that desire because that desire piece is so critical. And this was something I wrote about in the book Desire is point one, right? Because it's what you want, right? This is what do you want? And I realized I was exhausting myself in my clinic, really trying to help people identify like, oh, you can do this and you can do this and we don't have to. And I would realize they're just not that interested. And that's okay. I'm not judging them for that. They have their own life to live. But I'd be like, oh, oh, you know, and, and then I would be like, why? And, and then eventually I, I was exhausting myself and I realized, I can't be the only person in this exam room who has a desire for your good health, right? You've just got to be you and I can encourage it and stoke the flame, but you've got to bring your own desire. And I real, I got very good at, at detecting very quickly. who just flat out wasn't going to care. And I felt, well, they got other things I got to deal with. I'm going to be kind to them, compassion. I'm going to give them my best, but I'm not going to actually spend all that extra time trying to 
really get them into this new place. I'm just going to find out what does it need? Okay, I'll refill that prescription. Yeah, great. Have a good day, right? Let's see you later. It hurt me to know that they're for going further down a path for it. But it was like, I can't do it. You have to bring your own desire. And there is no one else who can bring your desire. You can get encouragers and people who care about you and want good things for you, but they'll help you. But you have to bring your own desire. And you can't, you can no longer blame anybody else. There's no good in doing this. This is critical because there's all kinds of ways to blame the food industry, the chemical industry, the alcohol industry, the tobacco industry, the, all the different forces that are making it harder to live our life in a healthy way. All the things that are polluting our environments, all the manipulation of our brains and all the pressures and the taxes and all these things that keep us working harder than maybe we should. And the people who didn't teach us the right thing or traumatized us. And the people who aren't giving us the support that you can just go blame, 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 blame. Well, it's not going to change a thing. Only you can do this right for you with help and support of others. So you, you leave the past behind. Don't blame anyone back there. Nothing you can do about it. You don't blame anybody in the future either. You take uh, responsibility for this. You, you find that desire. You visualize, you step into that version of you. Oh my gosh, I want to be this version of me. What will it take? these tiny little baby steps, right? You know, it's interesting you talking about how it, it can only be you. I was listening to Jocko Willick yesterday and he was talking about how his, you know, he's got, he wrote the book, uh, Extreme Ownership. And he was talking about this very topic. And he was describing whenever he was at a live event one time speaking and a lady talked about her son dying and and she wasn't trying to do the I got you or something like that. She was truly reaching out saying, you know, how I want to take ownership of this, but I can't take ownership of this thing that's happened. There's nothing I could have done to save my son's life. How do you use that principle in this moment? And Jocko said, you're exactly right. There is absolutely nothing you could have done to change the outcome. But what you can do is take ownership of your reaction and what you do afterward. And I think that's what you're saying here, Gus. We have we may have started out playing Jumanji. I just said Jumanji because that's survival and it's in the jungle. And here we are in Candyland. That's what we, we find out we're playing Candyland instead, where it's slow and everything's high calorie and, and terrible for you. But we all have the the ability to take ownership of how we react. And, you know, like, here's something too. I want to show that now I want to show a video. If I can get this pulled up, Gus, I hope it's the right one. And just to set this up a little bit. So everyone, I guarantee you that, that has just a second, everyone I guarantee that has seen this video I'm about to play. Most people look at this and they think, how much we've changed as a society. And we have that we're, we're lazier. We eat too much. We indulge too much, but going back to what you were talking about for those people that don't think that they can do this, I would argue. And for those of you who aren't watching, I'm about to show a video. This is a 1962 PE class. Check this out, Gus. It's on a, it's on a tiny little screen. Well, it's because I'm playing a short. Okay.
and minimal push-ups. And for those of you who can't see it, all of these kids, I mean, they're all lean. I mean, they look like somebody who would be an Instagram celebrity mm -hmm. influencer today. All of them, every single one of these kids. Okay, now see right there, you heard what he said, how, how health and how much more seriously it was being taken. And granted, yes, I mean, we, I grew up with Arnold Schwarzenegger as the, the ambassador for health to George W. Bush. I, I remember, or George H.W. Bush, I remember jump rope for heart. It does seem like there was, there was more emphasis in that, so I'm not arguing that. But also, I think one of the things that gets missed when you watch that from 1962, McDonald's was in existence, but McDonald's was a luxury, not just, not the cheap, crappy option. Not when the luxury wasn't available, you go to McDonald's. That's the way it is now. If you're just in a heart, anybody can go crush a 10 cent calorie at, uh, at McDonald's. That was not the option back then. These, they, they lived, they, again, they were playing the board game Jumanji back then. They weren't playing Candyland. And so I just, I say that because or just going back to kind of setting the stage for those of you who think that, well, gosh, you know, everything was so much better in yesterday and now we're just all lazy schlubs. Yeah. A lot of people do have worse habits because life has gotten easier and easier and easier. But I doubt any of these ripped kids were counting calories, making sure they didn't eat after eight o'clock, worried about toxins, thinking about intermittent fasting. They weren't taking cold plunges. They weren't doing all of these things that we're talking about. They back then they had a an environment that was more conducive, at least with the chemicals and stuff that went into their foods. Uh, they had an environment that was more conducive with the way their bodies were made, and the results were just healthier bodies as just natural. That's just the way they were, just living their lives as kids. Whereas now we're living in this environment that Gus and I are always quick to point out that how awesome it is that you get that the ten cent calorie exists. It's great that we have all these delicacies and delights and just go into a grocery store and it's just chock full of all this, this cornucopia of different things. That's a blessing, but just be cognizant that the environment has changed. And so therefore we have to change. We're no longer playing Jumanji. We're in Candyland, and we got to remove the candy and change the game or, or we will, or we will just, we will fail miserably on our, with our health. Yeah, Absolutely. And, you know, to play that game, um, again, we talked about you, you don't have to become an expert, but you can, but a lot of wonderful clinicians, health coaches, nutritionists out there giving great information. I love it all. I think it's great. So I'm not by any means making a claim here that, oh, I'm giving you the best information, but I do have an enormous amount of experience and continual experience in my clinic of leading people through this type of transformation of observing it. And I've been able to observe it over two decades and then continue to uh, stay abreast of the literature and the science and then observe real results. And I know that what I'm teaching you works. I know that it works, that it's true. Um, and therefore, we, we can teach you, like if we can, I, I'm here to show you, because I care, right, that uh, how you can begin and then sustain this journey of transformation. Regardless, whether it's just a little transformation, you just fell off for a little bit and it's just time to, you know, get a little healthier, 
because you're already pretty healthy or whether it's I am a, it's a wreck and we got to really kind of do a whole restoration job. What we're going to be sharing with you, what we've already shared with you and what we'll continue to share with you, what's available in my book, Authentic Health, which is the simplest lesson, uh, what will be available in courses. This is like the map and the coaching and everything that you need. And we're going to stay on this, right? So if you'll just listen to the episodes, as Jason said, apply the basic principles of each episode one step at a time. If you'll do what I'm walking you through, you will be able to experience the same kinds of transformations that my patients in my clinic experience, which are pretty amazing, remarkable transformations. It's not going to be withheld from you because you can't come to my clinic. It, if you'll follow what we're teaching consistently over time, just keep working at it, you will have the same type of transformation. It will happen. I love it. And, Gu and Gus, I can't thank you enough for, for sharing all your wisdom and your insight with this audience. And folks, uh, that's it. I mean, I, we just wanted to kind of step back and just kind of, just kind of recalibrate and do a, like, have a little bit of a high level look back at some of where we've come to this point. We're going to keep, like Gus said, we're going to keep going and going and going, bringing you more information that you could possibly process at one time. That's what we want. We can give you more, but also like today was a, a time for us to kind of help you understand how to pick and choose and get started with just kind of get those behavioral habits, make some decisions, but it'll always be here too. That's the cool thing. This is evergreen. If you, you, that's the beautiful thing about this podcast world we live in. It's always there. You can always go back. Like Zig Ziglar used to say, you don't have to be great to start, but you got to start to be great. And that's what we're wanting is just to help get you started. Get just, you know, give you just a little bit of nugget here, here and there. And then watch you grow and then and give us the feedback. Let us know what we can do to bring to you to help and uh, help you in your fitness journey. So, Gus, thank you, yeah. brother. Let's just go take a smoke break now and uh, yep. talk about the next episode. Yep. Go, 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 go fire up a ciggy and see where we go next. Uh, <laughs> All right, brother. Appreciate you. Well, that does it for this episode of The Jason Wright Show. Thank you so much for listening. This has been a Texas Titan Media production. Fourth Wall did the music. And as always, thank you so much for listening. Please consider going out to jasonwrightnow.com and signing up for the Vitruvian Letter. Also, please go out to iTunes. It takes like 30 seconds to just leave us a five-star rating. It does wonders for the podcast. I would be so grateful. And with that, until we meet again, go crush it and endeavor to improve always in all ways. I'm out.